Your boredom is over because we're just getting started here on Most Shows Recap. And this week, we're talking about Netflix's A Very Murray Christmas. I'm Rob Sesternino here with Antonio Mazzaro. Josh Wiggler is on assignment. He is uh, seeing Star Wars today because he's going to be doing a Star Wars recap here on Post Shows Recap. So uh, he is off in a galaxy far, far away today. But Antonio and I are ready to talk about Very Merry Christmas. Antonio, very Merry Christmas to you. Yes, and a Merry Christmas to you, Rob. How are did you, did you get the bourbon and cookies I left for you? I don't leave milk. <laughs> I have been consuming both heavily all day Next long. Time. I heard about those cookies that you had in the last couple of days. So this is a good start. You know, I don't know what it is about me if I'm getting older or I'm just more tired and have less willpower. But I am very, very prone to the sweets right now. Maybe at more, more so than any other point other than save uh, after a 38 day vacation I had one time. <laughs> I am I am very, very much a, uh, lead me not into temptation uh, with these uh, with these sweets right now. And then deliver you from evil. Is there a particular sweet that that you is your sort of uh, guilty pleasure? Is there a go to? I know Josh is a big fan of the Take Five bar. Take uh, Five. There, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing it up because it doesn't make sense to me either, Rob. Is there something that you like? Boy, you know anything? Anything chocolate is really. Uh, I think that's where where I'm going. Are you a dark chocolate or a milk chocolate? Dark chocolate. Dark chocolate. Oh boy, let's see. That's not sweet. That's bitter. Yeah. Well, that's me. Too. That's me in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> sweet on the outside bitter to the core rob says you know, ladies and gentlemen get some dark chocolate almonds with the sea salt and the turbinado sugar and that's uh that's really my kryptonite wild horses couldn't uh, hold me back <laughs> it sounds like a nature box treat rob. i know it is <laughs> fantastic all right antonio so we're gonna talk about very murray christmas here on netflix an original special dropped on netflix uh which was very very interesting i think we could probably get into the meaning of it uh and much much more here today i don't really know how much you could spoil in this it's kind of just fun so if you haven't seen it yet i think you're going to be okay if you want to just hang out and listen to this podcast yeah i agree it is uh it's there's a lot of singing there are some surprise cameos of course but a lot of the cameos that are surprises, with the exception of Pope Francis, are teased throughout the show. So uh, it's not really anything that, that's going to knock you over the head when you when you hear about it. So yeah, please please stay stay tuned here. Yeah, how's your week been, Antonio? My week's been very good, Rob. We had the Survivor finale on on Wednesday. I know that was a huge night for you. I watched you and Josh Wiggler do uh, the kind of really fun setup for the Periscope, uh, moving the camera around. Where's our mark? Moving back and forth, back and forth, uh, and then ultimately. Uh, having the great kind of uh, red carpet there. That was awesome. I think it worked out really well. Yeah. That was really entertaining. Saw Star Wars last night. Uh, and Without that was, uh, spoiling anything, would you say uh, thumbs up? Yeah, thumbs up. Without spoiling anything, I, I'd say thumbs up. I mean, you, anyone who was a fan of the Star Trek movie that J.J. Abrams did, uh, I think it's safe to say he kind of knows how to begin a story again uh, and tell a story fresh. And there's a lot of those elements here. Uh, with a with a lot of connections to the the you know the seven or six movies that have happened already, so very very entertaining. If you're a fan of any of the movies, I think you'll enjoy it. You know, if I could go on a tangent a little bit before we jump into a very merry Christmas, that the trailer for the new Star Trek movie came out, and you mentioned the J.J. Abrams reboot of the Star Trek franchise, and I am a, a big Star Trek fan and have been. For a long time. I mean, I'm not one of these lunatics, but I am a, a, a longtime fan of the uh, Star Trek universe. And I have to say, I saw that trailer and it infuriates me. 
Yeah, and I'm with you, but I'd like to know why. Uh, go ahead. Let Be- me know why. Because what I say to J.J. Abrams and his team, stop trying to make Star Trek into Star Wars. It is not Star Wars. It is not action, action, action. That is not what Star Trek is supposed to be. And the more you make it that, the less I care about it. Yeah, I think that's interesting. And I think you're right about that. The choice of Justin Lin to direct this third film, I think is a really bold choice in that direction, unfortunately, uh, because this is a guy who's famous for uh, Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh, he did the community episodes, the the paintball episodes, um, at least at, at least Modern Warfare, uh, and a couple of other episodes of True Detective. He directed uh, those as well. He did, uh, but he's an action guy. I mean, this is what his kind of calling card is: is action. So I don't know. When you pick him to direct the movie, you're not going to get a psychological thriller. You're going to get an action movie. So I agree. Trailer looks a little rough. Yeah, so I'm not super psyched about that. I mean, I feel like I'll probably see it, but I think that you go to Star Wars for your action and you go to your Star Trek for sort of headier things of like uh, really intrigue and stuff like that. Uh, Introspection on the human condition, all sorts of things, which both look both are good. But just stop taking the one thing that's supposed to be what it is and making it into something else because you can make more money on the action stuff. Yeah, and I think that's tough. I, I agree with you. And it, it, the, the landscape nowadays with all the Marvel movies and all these superhero things, it's very action-oriented. Uh, and I, I agree, Star Trek's not the action-forward franchise. So, um, I, yeah, I'm going to be let down by that, I think. And Justin Lin's been out all week talking about how he didn't even like the trailer. Uh, so this is <laughs> oh, not boy. a good start. Yeah, not a good start. Oh, boy, is right. Yeah, that's why I think Star Trek is better suited for TV and Star Wars better suited for the movies. But that's a bigger conversation for another day. Okay, why don't we talk about a very Murray Christmas. Antonio, do you know exactly any of the story behind why this year there's a Bill Murray Christmas special on Netflix? <laughs> no, I, I think that it was, I guess, last October. Um, Bill Murray kind of talked about this project getting greenlit uh, and it was going to come up. And I don't think at the time, I think it was supposed to be just a TV special. And then somewhere at the beginning of this year, Netflix picked it up and said, Hey, we want it. We want this. We want this to be Netflix exclusive. Uh, We want, we want to really have this be our thing. And so that's what happened. So I don't know anything more beyond that. I do know, as I said, when it originally was kind of conceived, it wasn't a Netflix thing. Uh, and then Netflix did pick it up. They've done that a little bit. They did that with the Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Mm-hmm. But that was a project that was really kind of already in uh, the can. Uh, and NBC decided they just didn't really want it and passed on it. And Netflix picked it up. So I don't know. Uh, I don't know where what the intent, original intent with this was. If maybe uh, they ultimately, um, maybe the, the whole plot of the we're supposed to have a network Christmas special and it doesn't pan out correctly for one reason or another if that's meta uh, and that was coming into play here but that's that's entirely possible that it is because to some degree i feel like the project echoes scrooge a little bit which is one of my favorite uh, holiday films are you a big scrooged guy Yes, I'm a big Scrooge fan. I'm a fan of that for sure. And while Bill Murray's character doesn't really evolve, you sort of have the backdrop of here is this big Christmas spectacular, which is being planned and it's not really going according to the script. Yeah, I think that that's right. Uh, And, you know, there's not it's (laughs) it doesn't have the production values of screw of what's going on in Scrooge. No Mary Lou Retton here. 
Yeah, no Mary Lou Retton popping in. That is so funny. The what you know the backstory of what's going on on Scrooge. I the South Park we talked about here on most shows recapped um, did a little bit. I think of a kind of send up of telethons in season eighteen. Uh, that wasn't really a telethon, but it was kind of one of those live produced specials, and it made me think of Scrooge. And I don't know if this was like where Bill Murray, Bill Murray's at in his career right now. If he feels a lot more melancholy about his role in the world. And so he's not going to do a big thing, but then it is kind of big. And he's like, you know, Hollywood's like spunky grandpa. I don't know. It's uh, I love Bill Murray though. So I'm, I'm happy to have whatever we have. Yeah. And just to sort of put this in like the, uh, in context of what this ultimately turns out to be, Bill Murray is supposed to be planning this big Christmas special. That's going to be live. Is it Christmas Eve or Christmas day? Christmas Eve is okay. supposed to be the live special. So live show Christmas Eve and there is the basically storm of the century and all of New York is shut down and all the people that are supposed to be there can't make it there. And Bill Murray is forced to just sort of like wander around aimlessly with Paul Schaefer then for uh, most of the rest of the night. <laughs> yeah. And just meet whatever uh, either celebrities as themselves or celebrities playing characters, people uh, that are, you know, somewhat stuck in the hotel themselves or somewhere in the city, whether they're climbing subway tracks or uh, whether they're stuck in there because no, none of their guests could make it for a wedding. So yeah. And the, it's very funny that Bill Murray as a celebrity and as somebody who's, you know, very well known, uh, when he finds out his famous friends can't show up, he gets super, super depressed. And he, he wants no part of doing this special without other famous people around to prop him up. Yeah, to me, Antonio, this was kind of reminiscent of when we watched the new Muppets show. And it was sort of in the same way that it was sort of like a behind the scenes of a TV show. Like, I felt like that then you have all these like famous people. Sometimes they're playing themselves. Other times famous people are not playing themselves, sort of interacting with Bill Murray, who's almost like the Kermit figure at the center of all this. Is that a, a crazy read on this? Not at all, especially not at the beginning uh, when you have kind of Bill Murray in his hotel room and he doesn't even want to go. It, what's really funny is, uh, you know, you fight, you see the storm, you don't really know what's happening. And he's like, oh, I don't want to do this. And you're thinking, oh, he doesn't want to schlep across town, uh, you know, whatever. He All he has to do is go downstairs in the hotel to do this show and he wants no part of it. Uh, and then, yeah, when when you've got um, kind of Amy Poehler and Julie White showing up, not playing themselves, playing the producers of this special and really sort of pushing him through it and trying to prop him up and shepherding him down the stairs and getting him into the studio. Uh, that's when it really is like a backstage at a 30 rock kind of thing or backstage at a variety show. So I think that's a, a fair comparison. And Bill Murray is going to be doing a lot of singing throughout this. You get the sense that the only reason why Bill Murray really wanted to do this was because Bill Murray wanted to sing in something. Yeah, I think that's right. I do. I really do think that's right because in uh, if, the film that came out last year uh, called St. Vincent, um, which is a Bill Murray, uh, you know, kind of project, uh, the end credits, he sang. And of course, Bill Murray famously, as you and Rich Tackenberg probably have hit on one of the SNL podcasts here at Post Show Recaps, uh, Bill Murray famously does the lounge singer character on SNL, the Star Wars, if they could bar wars, you know, that whole thing. Very appropriate today. Yeah, totally. And that's been a Bill Murray kind of staple is that he's always kind of sang and he he often sings at full voice and very excitedly in his film. So when he sang at, at the end of St. Vincent, um, he sang a Bob Dylan song, Shelter from the Storm. And it became kind of this thing on the Internet for a, a few days. Like, wow, Bill Murray singing Shelter from the Storm. This is really cool. And so I think that um, that turned into 
hey, I want to make a Christmas special where I sing all the time. So that's what we got. <laughs> and it really turns out to be sort of like this crazy adventure that you follow Bill Murray on. I mean, it's rather short. What is it, like 55 minutes or something like that? Yeah, like 55, 56 minutes. Yeah, it's very short. And he encounters all these different people and is singing in all these different things. Sometimes it's for the special. Sometimes it's sort of just like uh, on the piano and other times just sort of like breaking into song for no reason. Yeah, well, and that's a uh, you get the impression this may be a little bit of how Bill Murray lives his life. There are some you know great urban legends about Bill Murray. Like there's the urban legend about uh, where, however this occurs. Like you know you're on a quiet street in New York and you're walking on one side of the street and you see Bill Murray on the other side. He comes running at you and tackles you and knocks you down, and then he says to you, "No one will ever believe you," and then he just walks away. Uh, you know there and there are variations on that story. There are other stories that are true about him crashing random bachelor parties and. Uh, just showing up in places like Iceland in the middle of a bar and partying with people. So you get the impression that Bill Murray does live this kind of life where he just intersects with other people and he offers wit and wisdom and maybe some alcohol and sings a song. And then Bill Murray was in your life like a, you know, like a candle and then he burned out and it was gone. So I think that there's a lot of that flavor in the special as well. Did you find this special to be uplifting? Did you find it to be sad in some way? What was your takeaway on the emotion of this? Yeah, and I'm curious to get your take on this as well, because I feel like it's a little melancholy. Um, it is, like like we just said, the, the beginning part is very much like uh, the melancholy whinings of a famous person who can't be famous with other people, and he's just desperate for anyone famous to kind of show up, and he doesn't want any part of being famous and doing this show. Uh, and then it's it's really kind of like, you know what, your Christmas is never going to be ideal your life is never going to be ideal, but you can do the best you can with it. You can sing, you can just eat good food, you can drink, you can, you know, focus on love and positive feelings. And uh, ultimately, if you drink so much, you pass out, you can have fantasies about George Clooney and Miley Cyrus. So I think it's uh, it's somewhere in the melancholy to um, totally poignant kind of range. Is that was that your read on it? Yeah, I felt like it was a little bit of a bummer, like Bill Murray. Sure, he's having fun when he's drinking and hanging out with celebrities. But on the same token, I feel like at the heart of every single mainstream Christmas thing that's ever appeared in our media is the idea of being with, if not for good friends, then family, as opposed to acquaintances and celebrities for Christmas and Bill Murray really he's stuck and it's bad weather and it's not that oh I can't get to my family like Chris Rock is trying to do when he shows up it's more like oh I guess I can't do my special or if my celebrity friends can't be here I don't even want to do it yeah and I think that there's a little bit of truth to that um I think that that there's a little meta commentary maybe on what it's like to be sort of famous uh Bill Murray, I don't think, is currently married. He has several different children uh, by a, a couple of different marriages, I think. I think he's got six or seven children, but, um, you know, he's not married. He maybe, I, maybe he doesn't feel like he has kind of a home base or somewhere he can celebrate the holidays from. So I don't know. Uh, maybe this is tapping a little bit into the Bill Murray kind of psyche a little bit. Um, it, it's totally fitting that the special is directed by Sofia Coppola. Uh, Sofia Coppola is, of course, Francis Ford Coppola's daughter, mm -hmm. uh, but she's, you know, an accomplished filmmaker in her own right. And probably her most kind of notable film is Lost in Translation with Bill Murray. And that film as well evokes this sense of a sad kind of famous person who uh, is having a hard time really adjusting or living uh, 
uh, with the reputation that they have and existing in a world uh, where they are a thing or are a person. And so I think there is some of that as well. And it makes sense that Coppola and Murray uh, coming together here would produce this sort of feeling, even with the holidays. So Bill Murray does a number of musical numbers throughout this uh, with different people. What were some of the standouts for you, Antonio? Well, this is this is tough because um, I there are some great things. I mean, there's standouts for different reasons. First of all, the first real one that that kind of comes to bear uh, in the context of the special uh, is his song where he sings it with Chris Rock. Do you hear what I hear? Um, and he's he's the the, the setup for this is. Bill Murray's despondent. No celebrities are there. He's invited. Uh, he's got faces on chairs to, to be aligned. And I mean, it's ridiculous because it has like George Clooney, Sir Paul McCartney, uh, Pope Francis, Iggy Azalea. So it's a really funny kind of it's like joke there to begin with. But then he can't find anybody. So he's, he tries to run out the revolving door. It's too cold. He gets kind of stuck in there and he sees Chris Rock and they don't even really know each other, apparently, according to the, the special they're just, they recognize each other as Chris Rock and Bill Murray and everything's shut down in town. And Bill Murray's like, Chris, you have to come in inside and sing with me. And Chris Rock really doesn't want any part of it, mm-hmm. but he gets roped into it. And then they cut to the song, them singing, do you hear what I hear? And Chris Rock is, he's really enjoying uh, playing this Chris Rock, not wanting to be there and singing for me. That was the funniest thing on the whole special. Yeah, I agree. And then they're also wearing sort of like the matching sweaters where there's nobody there, but they're still trying to stream it live to go out to the world. And then ultimately they end up walking away from it when the power goes out. But it's very funny that uh, Chris Rock escapes and uh, Chris Rock was uh, pretty good in his spot here in the Bill Murray. uh, Very Merry Christmas. Yeah, I mean, he's really funny because he's sort of whispering the kind of backup vocals like, you know, like it's just he's he's really killing it. And uh, I laughed really, really hard at kind of him saying that. Do you hear what I hear? You know, and um, and just kind of the off key singing that he does. And he's like, shepherd boy, you know, just whispering the lines that Bill Murray is doing. And then the power goes out in the middle of the song. And when they get any light back on, Chris Rock is just gone. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really funny. It's like, get in, get out, do your appearance on this special, and then you're gone. I think rather than lingering around, I think that's the right call. And it was really pretty funny to me. Yeah. That was a good spot. So Bill Murray is then, he moves on to really just wander about around this Carlisle Hotel and ends uh, up running into uh, Rashida Jones, who is uh, supposed to be married. Yeah. Rashida Jones is uh, not playing Rashida Jones, she's playing a bride to be whose wedding has essentially been canceled because of the weather. Uh, everybody that was coming to the wedding can't get into town. Their dream honeymoon is canceled. She's despondent. Her husband and she have been fighting about it. He's in the bar getting drunk, and she's kind of sitting outside in her wedding dress with like a fur collar on, looking very sad. And Bill Murray, you know, the king of kind of random encounters, comes in and he says, like, do you want to take your picture with me? Because I've noticed that people really get happy when that happens. So would you like to do that? And I thought that was, uh, and again, a really funny kind of joke about the status of Bill Murray and Bill Murray's self-recognition of that. Yeah. What did you think of all of that stuff? Once we leave the concept of that, it is going to be, I guess maybe there's like three acts in this. And I feel like that going through the first part up until we get to when the show is shut down, that's kind of the first act. And then uh, with the second act is pretty much everything that takes place uh, with the wedding stuff. And then the third act is then the uh, final sort of whether you want to say dream sequence or other world type moments uh, that ends up happening with George Clooney and Miley Cyrus. But what did you think of overall the middle piece with the wedding? 
I really like the middle piece. Uh, there, there are some hits and misses from it. Uh, Sophia Coppola is married to a member of the band Phoenix, uh, and they are playing at chefs in the hotel uh, who come out and perform a song, uh, a, a Beach Boys kind of song, like a Christmas song. So um, Phoenix got to be on the special, I think, because of the Sophia Coppola. So that's cool. Uh, the fiance of Rashida Jones is played by Jason Schwartzman. Jason Schwartzman sits in with Phoenix on the drums. He's in a band himself. Uh, so it's really funny to kind of the, the little meta jokes. I mean, when Phoenix gets done playing, Bill Murray says something like, oh, and you can cook. You're quite a catch. And I'm wondering, like, did Sophia Coppola write this line? This is pretty funny. So that all worked out pretty well. I am there. There are some great kind of songs there. You've got Buster Poindexter behind the bar. This kind of <laughs> notorious. Are you a fan of Buster Poindexter, Rob? Oh, is he also in Scrooge? I think he's the isn't he the cab driver. Yeah, I believe he is. Yeah, he's like the ghost of whatever the, the reunion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is but this is the same guy. This is Buster. He's Poindexter. the ghost of Christmas past. Right, right. So he he is definitely in Scrooge. Um, he is kind of a, a he's like a I guess the New York Dolls are this like New York kind of avant garde group. I don't know how else to describe them. Uh, they're like a hard rock band, but um, they're and they're a little bit like Velvet Underground with Lou Reed and stuff like that. But uh, he was the front man of that group, and then in the eighties. He kind of turned into this interesting character where he put out an album as this sort of lounge singer, uh, as Buster Poindexter, and then continued to do that. Uh, and so here he is kind of in the later stages of his career. His voice is a lot more gravelly even than it used to be. He's like a Tom Waits type. So he sings Fairy Tale of New York, uh, which is a Pogue song, which to me is one of the three greatest Christmas songs ever recorded. Uh, it is itself a very melancholy tune. Uh, we didn't get the full slate of it here on the special, but uh, it is really a beloved Christmas song about like scattered dreams in New York city and uh, the, the hopes of Irish people moving to America and all of these things. It covers a lot for a Christmas song, Rob. And, uh, and so they sing that, that was a, a highlight for me. I really like that. Maya Rudolph is there. She's singing mm-hmm. uh, Darlene loves baby, please come home, which is my favorite Christmas song of all time, uh, which is Darlene love song from, the sixties, a Phil Spector produced song that she sang on Letterman for, you know, 30 years straight. Uh, and so Maya Rudolph really gives it her all on that. What did you think of Maya Rudolph's performance of baby? Please come. Well, on? you know, Maya Rudolph loves to sing. Yeah, she does. A- anytime you get Maya Rudolph out there, expect her to sing. And at least, you know, it was used effectively here. A lot of times, you know, as you're trying to shoehorn Maya Rudolph singing into something and in this special where it really is probably more about the music than it is about the story, Felt like that was a good spot for Maya Rudolph to show up. Yeah, and so the, the, I agree, and I think that 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 was good. She really sang. Uh, she really gave it her all. Like yeah. she really put a lot into that. And I was trying to figure out if she was going for anything comedic at all. At one point, she sort of throws off the the throw that she's wearing onto the ground, and she's standing there just really belting it out. So I couldn't tell uh, if there was any intended comedy in that. But she did a, a very good job performing what is an iconic Christmas song. So. That was good. Some of the bad, uh, maybe it's cold outside, makes its way into this, Rob. I like uh, that. I like the song, and I love Jenny Lewis, who sang it with Bill Murray. But you can't overlook the the weird nature of the lyrics of that song and how, at least in modern times, it's become this sort of often mocked uh, Christmas song for the difficult thing that may be happening in that song or may you not. You feel like that Baby It's Cold Outside is a little too date rapey for 2015? I don't feel like that personally. I always feel like the, there's a great version of baby. It's cold outside by Ray Charles and Betty Carter. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Betty Carter has this great voice that she's singing and she's being very demure uh, and just kind of like, you know, uh, you know, oh, I'm, I'm going to say I tried. Like, I'm not, you know, I, I really I'm going to put up this sort of, a, you know, front that I shouldn't be staying here and I don't want to. But I, I'm going to because I want to. And we're going to use the excuse that it's cold outside for me to stay. Uh, and it's really just about the fact that I want to stay, but it's going to be wrong for me to do that. But nowadays, the song is really taken on a different kind of tone. So it's difficult, I think. Well, I did think, you know, that aside, I felt like that was a fun rendition of the song. I did notice I that at the point where there's a line where uh, she says, like, what's in this drink? You know, that's always like the suspect sort of line. And Bill Murray doesn't ad lib anything on that. Like almost every other line, he's like ad libbing something. He's like, uh, he doesn't doesn't even like, uh, you know, try to make a joke around that. Yeah, and it, well, I mean, the joke is kind of built in because she's the one who brought him the drink. Yeah. So it is the drink that she brought him. So at least they had some sort of idea about that. But I can see where a lot of people are, are, are you know, taken aback by that. And those are people who interpret that song differently, I think. Uh, I don't think it was meant that he spiked the drink even when it was written. And I just think it was like, uh, you know, oh, yeah, we're just going to get loose here. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a difficult song and it's a strong choice to put it in here. Let's just say that. But it is a very classic Christmas duet. So uh, I agree with you. I like the kind of Bill Murray was half singing, half joking throughout the song. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of, a lot of funny lines here, here and what he does. Uh, yeah, I just thought yeah. that the way in that song, you can sort of improvise a little bit during that. I felt like that really played for Bill Murray. I like, I felt like that was one of the things where it was like, uh, you know, a cute song. And it was also there, you know, there were some laughs in there from that. It was opposed to sometimes when they're also, they're just straight singing. Yeah, and I agree. And like, I really left at the time when he said something like, uh, like the line is like, if you caught pneumonia and died. Um, and he says, like, yeah, you caught pneumonia and died. It'd be my fault. So I'd feel pretty, you know, just kind of straight like jokes through it. So that worked. And Jenny Lewis is a really great kind of uh, alternative singer. Uh, and I love at the end of the song, Bill Murray says, you are wasted in the hospitality industry. <laughs> like, another, again, another meta joke about the talent of the people that are around him. And so I thought that was really funny. So then the third act sort of culminates where Bill Murray, I don't know if it was supposed to read as though he died or he just passed out or what, but he ends up waking up in sort of maybe the fantasy of what he thought this Christmas special was ultimately going to be. And then, of course, Paul Schaefer is there with him. And George Clooney shows up with Miley Cyrus. Uh, what do you think is the weirder pairing for George Clooney uh, this year with Miley Cyrus here or with Danny DeVito in the Nescafe commercials? <laughs> uh, this is I mean, George Clooney is becoming this guy. He uh, does. he is, Do you think he wants to take the role of Bill Murray on, Rob? Do you think that when Bill Murray ultimately tragically shuffles off this mortal coil that George Clooney is going to want to step into those shoes and just be like America's house guest? He's waiting in the wings. Yeah, he's just waiting in the wings, literally standing behind the tree, popping out, saying like Santa Claus wants some love and just kind of popping his head out when he needs to, you know. Now, Bill Murray with Miley Cyrus, again, not a pairing that would be top of mind for many people. What's your favorite pairing of pop diva and older statesman uh, who is sort of a national treasure? You want to go you like bill murray and miley cyrus or you like tony bennett and lady gaga well that's a good question uh and and even before that i it's interesting because it is uh the lady gaga tony bennett thing works well they're both very talented singers obviously and that's not there's not a part there where you're like 
oh, well, this is just kind of part of this is a joke or this isn't funny or this isn't great or whatever. Uh, but yeah, that works really, really well. And I don't know. Um, Natalie Cole put out that album a long time ago called Duets. And she, you know, Saturday Night Live has a really funny, yeah. uh, famous send up of that, you know, where Natalie Cole sings with all her dad's dead old friends. And Tammy uh, Wynette. Yes, and Tammy, why not? I'm not dead, Rob. I am not dead. This is how rumors get started. <laughs> cut uh, it out, bitch. Yeah, That's what cut it out. <laughs> really funny. So the duet's kind of always been something that's sort of laughed about. Uh, and Bill Murray and Miley is an odd pairing. Uh, Miley Cyrus is currently being backed by the Flaming Lips, uh, which is just as odd of a pairing in my world. It doesn't make sense to me. So I, I'm a big fan. I like you, Rob. I, I really do like the Miley Cyrus. So I was very happy to see her here and. To be fair, I mean, even though you're right, this third act was sort of the what a Christmas special on TV has often been like. And Michael Buble is still putting these specials out every year. <laughs> uh, Miley killed it. She really crushed it. She really gave it her all smiling the whole time, really sold the songs that she sang. I thought she did a great job. Yeah, she's very good. I mean, it was just interesting to watch because it was so absurd of here's Bill Murray, George Clooney and Miley Cyrus. Visually, it's very striking. I mean, it's basically it's all white. And then Miley Cyrus is wearing like this really red lipstick, which like really pops off the, the white background. But, you know, it's not funny. And I don't know if it's really, you know, it's not played for comedy. It's, you know, at that point, you're almost like you're just watching sort of a variety show musical act. Yeah. And I think that a lot of these Christmas specials are like that. They'll have a medley of Christmas songs that really aren't funny. Then they'll do a little soft shoe and a little patter on the stage and a little skit here and there. Uh, and I think that this is sort of the conceit that they were playing with when they did this and the, the way to get into the big budget special that maybe they had originally conceived before they took it to the hotel and did everything when, with Netflix is I think they brought in Clooney and Miley to be the kind of closers and do the standard kind of traditional Christmas special thing. Uh, the, the Obviously the set direction uh, and, you know, decoration there is much bigger. Uh, they're running all over the stage, George Clooney popping out from behind trees. I mean, a sleigh with reindeer. It's really a big deal. And so it doesn't necessarily fit with the rest of the show, but I think you're right. When you look at it with the three act structure, I think there is something to it there. And I think it's really pretty good. Did the presence of Clooney make the Miley and Murray stuff more awkward or less awkward? <laughs> I don't, I mean, it, <laughs> probably more awkward. Uh, at one point when Murray and uh, Miley are singing, Clooney goes up to Paul Schaefer on the piano with a martini shaker. He's like, I'm just going to make a couple martinis. This is the place, right? Like he's like clearly acknowledging that he's a third wheel in this whole affair. Yeah. Uh, and it doesn't really fit in. And I think it's, uh, there's a little bit of tongue in cheek there. Uh, on Santa Claus wants some loving though. I, I really did laugh hard at him kind of mouthing uh, the words and popping out from behind the trees and, and singing that kind of part. So he did play a part other than just being George Clooney and showing up. But like I said, I think the George Clooney and showing up thing, I think he's looking for Bill Murray's gig. I think he's a, wow. a young turk here. It's like the uh, Missy Payne of uh, a new generation. And he'll just show up. Yeah. I felt like that Clooney did help make things less awkward because I think that it sort of diffused the idea that maybe there was any sort of romantic tension between Murray and Miley. Yeah, see, that was not even ever on my radar. So I agree with you. Clooney was there as the third wheel to sort of like diffuse it. He was like the blocker there. Yeah, and Clooney showed up with Miley. So it's like there wasn't a time when 
Miley was there and Clooney wasn't or vice versa. Like it was the two of them together. And yeah, Clooney was a little bit of the blocker. Um, we don't need, we don't need to ship Bill Murray and Miley Cyrus. We really, I, I mean, I, I want to put Bill Murray in just about every situation in the world. But what I don't is a relationship with Miley Cyrus. I don't want that. I don't want that. <laughs> yes. That is not a very Merry Christmas, Rob. Yes. <laughs> he will not be the uh, wrecking bill. Yes, no, no wrecking no. bill. Please, no, no, no. No wrecking bill. We don't bill. need that. Yeah, this is he's not a banger, as it were. No. <laughs> and then, so ultimately, you know, uh, Bill Murray uh, comes out of it, and uh, what it was was it all a dream? How much of it was this left open ended? I think uh, I think it's it's the next day, so it is Christmas Day. They make a point of saying that, and it's going to be Christmas Day all day, Rob. So congratulations to Bill Murray for that. Uh, but I think that it, it it seems like it wasn't all a dream uh, that maybe he just got drunk at the uh, hotel there and passed out, and when he woke up, it was Christmas, and he can be a little happy at the end there and sing uh, the kind of "We Wish You a Merry Christmas" with the last song. So I don't know. Did you read that it was all a dream? I didn't. I didn't read it that way. See, I think it's kind of confusing as to where you say what point was I was everything a dream was the whole idea that he was doing a Christmas special a dream or do we just take it back from when he fell on the piano that was all real up until that point and then it was a dream from there it's a little bit of an inception uh, type ending here a dream within a dream within a dream yeah because mm-hmm. it's so bright and the storm is over the next day when he wakes up on Christmas day so it is more of an ideal Christmas day I mean Paul sort of- Schaefer is there right yeah, so it's not an ideal Christmas So you, day, presume, right? you presume that the actual Christmas special was at least in play. Yes, and Paul Schaefer apparently doesn't have anything else to do. So No, he does uh, not. Good, good on Paul. Uh, yeah, but it's weird because we didn't even talk about this. There's a scene early in the special when Bill Murray has taken the stairs and not the elevator because the elevator operators couldn't be bothered to show up to work, and apparently you can't operate an elevator otherwise. Um, Michael Sarah yes. is waiting at the bottom of the stairs as an agent who wants to sign Bill Murray. Uh, and it's just a really weak that he refers to him as the, the Murricane uh, and just some really weird interactions there that didn't really jive. I thought with the rest of what was going on, this is a one-off scene with Michael Zara. But I felt like that was in my mind, probably the funniest part of the whole show was the interaction between Michael Sarah and Bill Murray. Yeah, it is. And so it is very funny. And that's what I mean. Like, we've got Bill Murray kind of in this negative space where he doesn't want any part of anything. And then Michael Sarah pops up and they joke around for a while. And then, oh, no, back to the Christmas special. We got to get we got to get back to the Christmas special. It's going out live. And then it doesn't then it's not live. Bill Murray cancels it. Then it goes back live. I'm trying to think about what the back end of that TV would look like. Like if you and I had sat down, Rob, uh, in our houses to, to, to turn it on and watch it live at like an eight o'clock on an NBC and Bill Murray comes on and starts crying and then they cut to commercial and then it doesn't come back for like 10 minutes. And then it does come back with Chris rock and then it's gone again. And it never comes back. I mean, that'd be a weird night for anybody. Well, the whole Eastern seaboard went down. Yeah, the whole Eastern seaboard went down. Even a couple of saloons closed. I really like that line. Only a couple of them. Now, if we were going to talk about this in this three act structure in these three different parts, which was the part that you thought worked the best? Um, that's a, I mean, that's a really good question. I think the part that worked the worst for me was the first act, uh, personally, because I wasn't really sure when, when Amy Poehler walks in, when Michael Sarah shows up, uh, with Paul Schaefer there, I wasn't really sure. I was still kind of finding my feet with what they were doing, uh, and the conceit and that's fine. Um, but that didn't really work as well for me. I think the second act worked the best for me because I've been in those situations where I've been stuck somewhere. I used to work at Delta for four years and I flew everywhere. But when I flew a lot of places, when you, when you fly, when you work there, 
if they have an empty seat, you get on the plane. If they don't, you get stuck. So I've spent the night in so many airports and so many crazy places like that. And you just end up with the flotsam and jetsam that are also there for whatever reason. Their plane was canceled because of weather or something else happened or something crazy. And you end up at an airport bar or a hotel bar with a bunch of weird people like that. That that experience rang true to me. And I really did like uh, the kind of different aspects of that and what they chose to kind of how they made lemonade with it. I really like that. So the second act worked best for me. See, what about you? I think I'm uh, at least the opposite in terms of my favorite part. I think I like the first part the best. I thought that was the most fun, sort of like the behind the scenes of this Christmas special where he's sort of like reluctant about doing it. And I felt like that, you know, following him around on his sort of misadventures after it all falls apart, I didn't really know where he was going. And I, again, I liked the the stuff with Michael Sarah. I thought that Amy Poehler was also very funny in this, where yeah. there's sort of, but like sort of like, uh, you know, good cop, bad copping him about doing the production. I think that the part where Chris Rock shows up is probably uh, the highlight of the whole thing. So I feel like that the behind the scenes of this Christmas special gone awry, to me, I thought was uh, where what they were doing was the most clear. Yeah, that's interesting because I'm, I'm laughing now thinking about he gets that call from his sister and he just kind of yells at her like, how did you get this number? I'm working. Don't call me again. And he hangs up and he says, my sister, you know, and it's Christmas Eve. So <laughs> I laughed hard at that. So I think that the jokes were a lot faster and more furious in kind of the first act uh, until the Christmas special goes off the rails. And I think that is certainly the funniest part. I just, I don't know, I found the melancholy and poignancy and I do think it's in that lost in translation sort of vein yeah. uh, of the second act. I found that to be more resonant with me uh, than anything else. So um, at least as far as it goes, it's funny because the third act is your more standard Christmas special. I feel like the second act is the most uniquely like this kind of part of the Christmas special. And the first act probably had the most potential of all of it. Uh, and so it's interesting to see the three of those things strung together. Yeah. Overall, do you recommend people check this out? I mean, if people like Bill Murray, I think they absolutely should watch it. I don't think that if you are a fan of Bill Murray, uh, you're going to be disappointed by this. It's only 55 minutes. Um, and if Bill Murray's something that you like, he sings a lot on it. He's funny. Uh, he plays the kind of Bill Murray role at the beginning where he's uh, a little bit of a whiner and you see a little bit of the what about Bob coming out or some of these other kind of neurotic characters that he's played. And then you get into the second thing and it is a little more lost in translation and Bill Murray being this kind of wizard uh, and so all the kind of Bill Murrays are on display here. And I really, I, since I'm a huge fan of Bill Murray, I've got my Bill Murray kind of shirt on here today for the people that are watching. Um, I, I really, I would recommend it if you're a fan of Bill Murray. Uh, if you're a fan of Christmas specials, eh, it's interesting. Your mileage may vary. What about you, Rob? I would say that it's worth it just for the music. I feel like it's a great thing to have on and also like be doing other things at the same time. You're baking you're doing your cleaning, just like uh, put it on. You don't have to pay that close of attention to it. There's a couple of laughs there. The music is worth it. And I think at 55 minutes, it's a nice runtime. Yeah, that had been my plan with this. Is there? This is a wrapping presents kind of show to play in the background to keep you in the holiday mood. It's nice. I mean, a lot of our holiday specials that we have on TV, Rob, a lot of the, the peanuts, these great classics of holiday television are classics. And we've seen them hundreds of times. And there's nothing wrong with that. Oh, but it's nice to have new Christmas specials entering into the landscape and kind of uh, pe peppering that. And this can be a thing I can see uh, people putting this on. Do you have a favorite Christmas special, Rob, or 
one that you want to watch every year? Or is there a Christmas tradition in the Sesternino house when it comes to TV or film? You know, that's a good question. And I've actually watched a lot of the Christmas specials, like the standards this year, because uh, this is the first year. I have a, a two-year-old and he's uh, very into, you know, anything Christmas. So we sort of just went through and just like DVR'd every single one. And I really feel like the ugly truth on a lot of this stuff is one, none of them are very good. <laughs> it's really... Like there are like highlights of things like uh like Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Like I, I challenge somebody to get through that. Like there is a lot of like B story and C story in there that you just do not recall that they do not talk about in the song. You get the you get the highlights in the song by the you know <laughs> the, the the elf the dentist school the abominable snowman Herbie. the the guy with the beard. Like there's a there's a lot of B story uh in all that. Even like you know the. Green Grinch, you know, there's a good five minutes there. Frosty the Snowman, you're spending a lot, a lot of time with the magician and what's going on with him. And so I really feel like at the heart of all these stories, boy, there's a good YouTube video there. But they really, <laughs> they really milk it, and there's a lot of commercials and all these network Christmas specials. Yeah, um, have you seen Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas? Which is a, a long time ago. Thing. I did. Yeah, just check that one out with Dominic. Maybe he'll, maybe that one will, will resonate better. I think that one's fun. It's the Muppets. Uh, it's got a lot of interesting original music. Um, some of the classic kind of Muppet music is there. I, I'm a huge fan of that one. So uh, I agree with you that some of these other ones, you know, yeah, it's it runs a little bit thin and ragged and it's difficult, but they are kind of classics. And so we associate in our minds the YouTube version, the five minute, 10 minute version instead of the full length version, which can be a little tough to stomach. Uh, I'm also a fan of the movie Elf. I really like yeah. that. Well, that's, uh, that's Nicole's uh, jam that she wants to put Elf on. During the holidays, yeah, nothing wrong with that. That's a that's a classic. So. Yeah. Do you have a, a any other specials or anything that's a Christmas tradition for you? No, those two, Elf and Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas, are two of my favorites, and I definitely uh, definitely will make sure those are in the rotation this year. I, and I'm, I am a fan of the Peanuts and the Charlie Brown Christmas special. I I like that. I like a lot of aspects of that. The music is, of course, classic. The Vince Giraldi kind of. Uh, jazz kind of piano score is is some of the most memorable music that's ever been made for television period and so that is a even if i'm not watching the show i'm listening to that a lot a lot of the time throughout the holidays okay antonio anything else christmas related you want to talk about here on our last most show recaps before the holidays no there is a star wars christmas special too rob have you seen the star wars christmas i've special? heard about it i have never seen it like b arthur is in it <laughs> yep right <laughs> i mean not any weirder than buster poindexter popping up at the bar here i guess uh but yeah that that would be interesting i think to uh to review the star wars christmas special you know star wars it became after a certain point rob right around the time we were born in the turning the 70s to the 80s uh became very much about merchandising and selling toys. Oh, no, um, well, no more so than right now, Antonio. I mean, we have really gone off the deep end where, I mean, Star Wars has totally been co-opted into Christmas stuff. I mean, you go into any, you know, CVS, Rite Aid, and you see just like Star Wars, like uh, stuff up the wazoo and not just like Star Wars merchandising, but, uh, you know, the Disneyfication of Star Wars is in full force. No pun intended uh, in 2015. Yeah, you can get Star Wars oranges, Rob. You can get Star Wars milk. You can buy a car from like Honda and it has the Star Wars theme. Uh, there's just it's it's insane. I've never seen 
I mean, maybe it was like this when we were young, when Return of the Jedi came out. No, not to this level. Not to this level where eh, there is, I mean, Star Wars, eh, everything. I mean, basically, it's like Darth Vader is right there with Mickey Mouse in terms of every single merchandise opportunity. Like there is a Star Wars version of it. Yeah, that's true. And the reason I brought up the holiday special is that that was, I think, I think it's seen by fans of Star Wars is sort of the bridge too far or one of the key bridges too far uh, in that franchise. Uh, George Lucas said, you know, he, he wanted to like destroy every copy of it if he could find them all yeah. uh, and hated it. Uh, and he just wanted no part of uh, the, the Christmas special that was formed. And it was very clearly done. It was a holiday special, um, very clearly done, I think, for merchandising and for, you know, it's Christmas and we want some uh, more Star Wars attention and to really drive the the toys that all the kids are going to want in 1978 or whatever. So uh, it it really did not play well. And I, like I said, a lot of fans of the of the sh- of the series and George Lucas himself really uh, want no part of that thing. But it does have the original cast in it, uh, and mm-hmm. it is kind of Star Wars uh, canon. So it's very fascinating to see. The, nowadays, like that's a bridge they're not even crossing, even with all the merchandising you're talking about. Yeah, uh, we don't have a Star Wars holiday special this year. But I think that even then, it was like, okay, they were trying to sell toys. Like, turn on any TV, wait for any commercial break. During any given commercial break, there were are at least two Star Wars themed commercials for any single product. Like, it re- it really is. It's like it's no longer Star Wars merchandise is toys. Star Wars merchandise is everything. Oh, Rob, I believe me when I walk into like a department store and I see the makeup counter is all Star Wars makeup counter, <laughs> makeup counter. Like you want the look of Daisy Ridley in the new Star Wars film Buy the yeah. makeup. Like it's I, just I mean, I, I guess good for them if it's not turning people off to the movie. I guess it's not too much, but it's crazy. I, Anthony, I swear to God, I'm watching football on the weekend and I'm pretty sure that I'm watching commercials like for Zales. And they're talking about and come in and see our Star yes. Wars collection. Yeah, uh, and I'm not sure. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's not Zales. Maybe it, is it? Uh, uh, is it I'm Jared? not sure if it's Jared or one of these. Like, uh, but they're advertising the Star Wars jewelry. I could just imagine the reaction to my wife when I come home and say, like, uh, like, honey, I, I picked you up something from Zales from the Star Wars collection. <laughs> you don't think you don't think Nicole would be into that, Rob? I'm not sure. Not <laughs> sure about that. I don't know about every, that. Every kiss, every kiss begins with uh, Kylo Ren. I don't know. Like maybe it's uh, maybe it's a K Jewelers thing. Yeah, maybe. I'm not sure which one of these jewelry stores it is, but they, they were like advertising on the commercial. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, it is really funny. So I, I am surprised we don't we don't have more Star Wars holiday branding this year, even in light of the notorious kind of Star Wars holiday special. Um, you know, we have some people commenting on uh, the Star Wars marketing and merchandising in the chat. Um, you know, it's uh, it's all about brand promotion. Uh, yeah. Stutzman indicates, and I agree with that. I think it's um, actually K Jewelers, just to fact check myself. I think they're the ones with the Star Wars collection. So it is every kiss begins with Knights <laughs> of the Old Republic. That's fantastic. Good for them. Yeah. Get the uh, the charmed memories of Darth Vader charm uh, sterling silver just forty nine ninety nine. It's wait, it's a Darth Vader charm. Yeah. <laughs> what does it do? Does it take you to the dark side? Like I, I don't it's like, like to I wear on like a... your uh, your pendant, your this like Pandora bracelet. Yeah. Is it a head of Darth Vader? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. So there you go. All right, Antonio. Well, uh, very fun Christmas talk to you. Let me be uh, one of the first to wish you and yours a very happy holiday, Antonio. Thank you, Rob. Same to you. Merry Christmas to you. Yes. And uh, thanks so much to our listeners who uh, checked this out. Uh, Want to go with hashtag wrecking bill? Yeah, let's go with hashtag wrecking bill. <laughs> I like go. that. And happy holidays to everyone listening. Thank you very much. Yes. All right. So next week, we're going to take a week off and then... We are going to uh, be back at it. Maybe we're going to do some sort of like year in review, or maybe we're just going to get into previewing stuff that's coming up here in January. We will let you know. Of course, you can subscribe to the podcast. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes, or for the dedicated feed for most show recaps, go to postshowrecaps.com slash MSR iTunes. Antonio, word on the street is that you've got a Fargo finale podcast up, and it is over two hours talking about the Fargo finale. Yes, we talked about not only the Fargo finale, but Fargo season two as a whole, kind of a season recap show, and where the kind of season came together or failed on different things. That's myself and Mike Bloom uh, and Jeremiah Panhorse talking about that at Post Show Recap, so you can check that out and go to the page for that episode. Uh, We're also doing a Top Chef podcast, not at Post Show Recaps, uh, but we're doing that uh, sort of post-show recaps adjacent at uh, Reality Rehap-Ups at uh, Rob Has a Website. So we're really having fun. The The second uh, podcast we recorded about Top Chef uh, last week's episode it was a really fun time with Kirk Clark and Mike Bloom and myself. So we're enjoying that, doing a roundtable. We'll probably have some more voices throughout the season. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for checking out the show. Looking forward to coming back with more Most Show Recaps back Uh, with Josh in just a little bit. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye.